the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. I am Seth Liebson. The phone number is 602-508-0960. I was saying here on Monday that while the major concerns over China are not quite major enough, that is to say not fully absorbed and appreciated here enough, not their concentration camps, not their slave labor, not their Belt and Road Initiative, not their tyranny, not their invasions of others, not their occupations of places like Tibet, not their surveillance state, not their arming and funding of our enemies, not their propaganda, not their theft of intellectual property, not their racism, not their energy in space and mineral dominance, not their crushing of religious liberty, not hardly anything. And yet, even less well-absorbed, or maybe noticed is the better word, as many have absorbed it both witting and, wittingly and unwittingly, maybe not noticed enough, is our slow adoption of too much of this here. It shocked me in 2020 how fast we acted like subservience to the dictates of the state over propaganda and control, as if we were a culture of the controlled and paternalism, with a health threat, becoming a society of the masked and the fearful. It shocked me in 2020 how fast we acted like subservience to the dictates of a Marxist theme and founded mantra. It shocked me how every institution from law enforcement and national security apparatuses and professional athletic associations bowed to the dictates of that Marxist-themed and founded mantra, slogan, or war cry. It shocked me how these associations reprimanded dissidents here for standing with those who resisted Chinese tyranny abroad, as in the NBA here and Hong Kong over there. And it shocked me how fast we acted to exonerate China for unleashing volitionally or negligently the world's most transformational and disruptive and devastating virus. And it shocked me how much more we blamed an American president for it than those actually responsible. It shocks me how major corporations can lecture the United States on its human or civil rights, but will kowtow to censoring any discussion or self-censor any pang of conscience of their own when it comes to their market choice of doing business with and in a country that Freedom House describes as both authoritarian and repressive. A country Freedom House states, quote, continues to tighten control over all aspects of life and governance, including the state, bureaucracy, the media, online speech, religious practice, universities, businesses, and civil society associations. They are, of course, talking about China. Or when it comes to covering it all up, or when it comes to siding with the repressive authoritarians against their own people. In other words, what you are seeing is a long line of compliance to and embracement of Maoist Marxist theory and action, both in and of itself in practice 
and in the name and effort of protecting and defending said theory and action. I can understand aged socialists saying things like breadlines are actually a good thing. I cannot understand a country like this that nearly nominates him twice to run for the presidency of the United States or accepts the same man as the current chairman of the U.S. Senate Budget Committee, the committee most responsible for federal spending and national financial commitments. The yoke of Maoist Marxist thought is comfortably carried by large swaths of American culture and the American people, and, of course, their political thought. It's almost worth asking why we even have a defense policy or posture against China, even if in name and semaphore only. As I write this, it dawns on me there is not one person in that country of one and a half billion people who has the inverse concerns about American ethics or its freedom culture infiltrating or being accepted in China. This for two reasons. One, the government suppresses any attempted effort of and at that. And two, most there just aren't interested in what we have to offer. They believe in their cause and their success and their power and their paternalism and their growth. I wish we did here. Instead, we now see books like Orwell's 1984 not as a warning, but as a manual. Instead, we see books like Rules for Radicals not as an anachronism, but as a contemporary playbook. Montesquieu wrote, quote, The deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. Some here, too many, simply do not understand that warning. Some here, too many, are actually just fine with it. Some here, too few, get it. Our friends at Issues and Insights write the following. Some years ago, New York Times columnist Tom Friedman said, quote, if we could just be China for a day, we would be able to authorize the right solutions on everything from the economy to the environment. It's a fantasy often dreamed of, usually in secret by Western elites. For the rest of us, it should be a nightmare. While our country and much of the world has finally walked away from most of the liberty-robbing and soul-crushing pandemic restrictions, China is convulsing over the government's zero-tolerance rules. Protests, mostly peaceful, of course, have spread across major cities. The oppressed citizens are revolting, reports the Associated Press, quote, against restrictions that have confined millions to their homes, close quote. CNN called the demonstrations, quote, an unprecedented challenge to Xi Jinping's zero-COVID policy, close quote. In some instances, says the AP, the Chinese have been under literal house arrest for as many as four months. Many say they lack reliable access to food and medical supplies. The Brownstone Institute tells us that the unfortunate who test positive for COVID are taken to sparse, overcrowded quarantine camps resembling prisons, while babies have been separated from their parents and, in some cases, pets are killed. Other reports say a crackdown on the unrest, which is always the preferred Beijing response, is on its way. It is happening in real time, actually, as we speak. It's terrifying to think that the events, which are sure to grow uglier, could have happened here. China's policy of detainment is what the Western ruling class wanted. 
it's worth remembering who it was exactly who advocated these insane zero COVID, COVID lockdown policies and urged us to emulate them. Our own media elites and health officials, writes Michael Sanger for the Brownstone Institute. And I'm sure we all know people or remember people who truly thought if we all just complied, we could eliminate COVID. I remember them well. Yes, we know this country's leaders are rushing to cameras and microphones to criticize China's strategy in light of the protests. But their efforts are a bit late, and that sincerity is as superficial as ever. Sanger has the evidence to back up his claim that this country taken its officials and media elites seriously, the entire free world would look very much like China does today. Those words pouring from the mouth of those official medias and elites should be filed under politics and propaganda, not science, not public health. What the elites of the West don't want, though, is increased fossil fuel combustion. But that's exactly what China's doing. It plans to double the capacity of its coal-fired plants. Bloomberg reports that the build-out is merely to back up renewable sources that the plants will never likely operate at full capacity. It's not remotely believable. Our ruling class doesn't care what China is doing since it's happening in another hemisphere. It's always been happy to let dirty energy be developed elsewhere as long as the opportunity to protest and, whenever possible, kill nearby energy remains. Don't think so? This administration just approved new oil and gas drilling by Chevron, not in California where Chevron is based, not in this country's oil-rich regions, but in Venezuela. Clearly the White House and the eco-activists clearly think it's so cozy Things are so cozy here and so comfortable here that we don't have to use our own resources and no one will be concerned so long as we can't see what's being done in Venezuela. China's government is a model for no other nation, if we're being honest. It's abusive. It's oppressive. It's duplicitous. It's tribal. It's disposed to censorship. And it runs counter to the American experiment in freedom and individualism. No wonder So many on the left are in such awe of it. And today, a major and massive American corporation is siding with China in its repression while telling America and Americans that free speech here is what worries them most. Talking, of course, about Apple. Justice, Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, whom I cite a great deal, and I think for good reason, He truly understood tyranny and its consequences. That's probably but one reason why he was selected to prosecute Nazi war crimes at Nuremberg. He took a leave from the Supreme Court to do that. He he instructed us or had to re-instruct us in his duties as a Supreme Court justice that, quote, authority here is to be controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. It's a shame it was necessary for him to say that in 1943. It's more of a shame now, as the more we've grown, the more access to knowledge and education we've attained, the more access to wealth we have achieved. We seem to understand it less now than we did nearly 80 years ago. Tom Wolfe, the novelist, once called our unlearning a Promethean and unprecedented start from zero. In a once famous essay of his called The Great Relearning, he wrote, The Marxist sweeping aside of not only the old social order, but also its religious ethic, which had been millennia in the making, 
common decency, as Orwell called it, was responsible for reinventing morality. It's an interesting line for Wolf to pick up of on Orwell's. It comes from a conversation Orwell had with the leader of the British Labour Party, who once asked him how best to fight fascism, and Orwell said he should have responded with the phrase, common decency. For him, that phrase was about honesty and grit, respectability and warmth. Think about where those values still abide. Rather rare here, don't you think? As if we were robbed of something we once possessed. Here's the warning, not the manual, from Orwell's 1984. And if everyone accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all the records said the same thing and told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Who controls the past, ran the party slogan, controls the future. Who controls the present, controls the past. And now, folks, you see why they're afraid of Elon Musk and want to treat him the way China treats its citizens. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, You know, we often say reach one, teach one here. That's the way to get more conservatives and get more conservatives active. Turning Point USA is bringing America's biggest freedom party to Phoenix this December 17th through the 20th. It's at the Phoenix Convention Center. America Fest 2022. It'll feature some of the biggest names in the conservative movement. Of course, Charlie Kirk, uh, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Kaylee McEnany, and many more. There'll be nightly concerts featuring music legends like Riley Green and Chase Rice, Ray Lynn, and also more. Don't miss the largest celebration of our constitutional rights and freedoms in America. And to help reach one, teach one, we're going to give our next caller four free general admission tickets to America Fest 2022. Give us a call at 602-508-0960, and you can go and bring three folks with you to America Fest 2022. If you are not the next caller who gets these free tickets, don't worry. If you don't win them, you can buy them online at amfest.com. That's amfest.com, and we have a special discount for you for 960 The Patriot listeners. Just use code PATRIOT. When checking out at AmFest.com, and you'll get 50% off your tickets. So head to AmFest.com now for event details if you're not the next caller who wins the four free ones we're giving away. Now, okay, this is instructive. Uh, I saw I saw this was kind of funny. I saw someone on Twitter say they're buying a um they're buying a white, uh, a white Jeep, and they're naming it Elizabeth. Bill, you know why they're naming it Elizabeth? They're buying a white Jeep, and they're naming it Elizabeth because it's called Comanche, <laughs> after Elizabeth Warren. All right, this is instructive. Um, Elizabeth Warren was walking through the halls of the Senate today, and a reporter asked her why she's so concerned about Elon Musk and uh, his running of Twitter. Listen to this interaction. 
Republicans say that um, Democrats are picking on Elon Musk. Elon Musk is doing just fine. But do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? I think that one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with each other. One human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. And that's everything you need to know right there. Because that's what we have been saying for the past several years. That's what Dorsey and the Twitter panjandrums have been deciding. It's not that they're worried about misinformation. It's not that they're worried about selective ideological or partisan censorship. You know what they're worried about? They're worried about the fact that they can no longer be the censors. That's what they're worried about. Elizabeth Warren says one person, one person should not decide who gets to speak and who doesn't. Look in the mirror. This is what we have been complaining about. This is why Elon Musk bought Twitter, because one person or a ruling class at Twitter was deciding what could and couldn't be printed, said, stated, reported, tweeted. They're not worried about anything except for the fact that they're no longer in control of speech in America. That's what their concern is. Their concern is this story. Here's the headline. Elon Musk says Twitter has interfered in elections. Twitter owner and CEO Elon Musk on Wednesday said that prior to his takeover, the obvious reality was that Twitter has interfered in elections through its content moderation policies. And he's going to reveal all those documents. It's his company now. He can do that. This is what has them bothered. People said, well, how come you're not bringing, you know, you're telling us about all these conservative voices you're bringing back or replatforming on Twitter. How come not so many left ones, left wing ones? You know what he said? Because we didn't, Twitter didn't deplatform that many. He restored Kathy Griffin or Griffith or whatever her name is, that foul comedian. He restored her. She's obviously on the left. But there weren't that many that were censored on Twitter who were left wing. It was one person or a handful of elites at Twitter that sat in probably dark rooms. I don't care if they were dark or light rooms that were decided deciding what people could and could not say. It's exactly what Elizabeth Warren described as the problem. It's just that it's the problem of her party and her movement and the past with Twitter before Elon Musk took it over. It's not the problem of Elon Musk. Her first answer was the right one when asked about her concerns with Elon Musk, and she said Elon Musk is doing just fine. Go with the first answer, Elizabeth. That was the right one. The concern is not that someone is sitting in a dark room deciding what people can and cannot say. That's what Karen Jean-Pierre is doing. That's what your ministry of misinformation tried to do. That is what Twitter did. That is what Facebook did. That is what CNN did. That is what CBS did. When the New York Post story came out about Hunter Biden's laptop. It's not that you're worried about us censoring you. We have no interest in doing that. You told us what your worry is. It's that you can't be in charge of censoring us. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-5089-60. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. The interest, your interest, is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. It's a secure, collateralized, portfolio that offers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right. 10 and a quarter percent. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. You won't get a sales pitch. You're just great guys doing well by doing good for others and love talking about how and how you might be able to be a part of it if you so choose. This kind of interest. I got an email here. Many of you may have as well uh, if you subscribe to uh, Prager University. New research reveals that 71% of children aged 7 to 12 are afraid of climate change. 71% of 7 to 12-year-olds are frightened of climate change. When will we stop catastrophizing our children? We did it with COVID. It's the mark of a tyranny that uses children. It really is. In China today, they have these young kids, 10-year-olds, working for the regime to go after the protesters and warn everyone to get back into their homes and leave the streets. They're using 8, 9, and 10-year-olds in China. Of course, during the Iran-Iraq War, you had in the besiege movement, children used to clear minefields using their bodies to clear minefields. Of course, in every communist regime, you have a children's or youth movement, as you did in the Nazi regime. Why are we using our children, as we did so much so with COVID and now with climate change? Michael Schellenberger says that there's an infantilism to the climate change politics as a whole. Yeah, there is a infantilism. He writes that part of this came about as a result of the selection of Greta Thunberg as the de facto leader of the Green Movement, in contrast to, say, an Al Gore or a John Kerry. He says, I see the echoes of Thunberg's leadership in these children protests, which we are seeing as, for example, at the art galleries, art galleries. And they're much more like temper tantrums, throwing food on the wall, dumping milk onto the floor gluing themselves to things. These are all infantile or childish behavior. Yeah, this whole movement, and 71%, 7 to 12-year-olds, this is what we're making them afraid of. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the things that they should be concerned about or really parents should be concerned about by instructing them on, because all of this comes from parental or at least adult instruction, doesn't it? All of it does, whether a book, a teacher, a school, a friend, social media, all, 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 all sent down by adults. Climate change is not going to affect them. And yet that's what they're afraid of. You know what will affect them? You know what is killing them? Fentanyl. Fentanyl. Do you realize while 71% of 7 to 12-year-olds are afraid of climate change, over 60% of our elementary school students have never heard of fentanyl. 
That's the thing that's killing them, and they don't know anything about it. And the thing that isn't killing them is what they're afraid of, and they know all too well. You think we're not deprioritized here? You think we're not deprioritized here? 98% more fentanyl deaths last year in Arizona than COVID deaths in the age group under age 25. They don't know about fentanyl, according to the Arizona Youth Survey. They know about COVID, and they know about climate change, the things that are least likely to affect them in reverse order. This is a misprioritization. This is a disorientation. This is a danger. I'm saying we're catastrophizing the children. We are really going to catastrophize the children if we keep up at this rate, putting them in fear of the things least affecting of them and keeping them ignorant about the things most likely to negatively affect them. I'll say it again. Leave the children alone, at least with the frivolous. Inform them with the critical. That's the adult's job here. Gosh, I search my kingdom for an adult. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delight to bring back, as we do every Wednesday, our constitutional and elections uh, attorney and authority, Brett Johnson. He's a partner with the law firm of Snell and Wilmer, SW law.com uh, privileged uh, that we have him here in phoenix and uh, that he is a friend of ours uh brett how are you today thanks for joining us good thanks for having me seth would you i i don't think i've ever asked you this on air or even not on air but would you agree with me certain areas of law are a little more understandable or apprehensible or easy even than others, I, I happen to think First Amendment law isn't that hard. Maybe that's why I'm in it. But I, I, I or was in it. I, but the, uh, can we stipulate election law? Two things: election law happens to be extremely intricate and difficult, and that if you really want to n- try and understand it, I mean, this would go for journalists. It would go for you know voters, activists, citizens, radio hosts. You really got to read everything that's out there on it. It's easy to think you understand something if you don't read the other side. So I am telling people, yes, okay, here's the complaint. Good. But you got to read the response because what you think you may know isn't always so clear. This is tough stuff is, I guess, what I'm trying to get from you. It is, isn't it? it, it, It's very tough stuff. And let me just take it one step further, right? So we have the Arizona Code, which in Arizona for for elections, and and almost every state has an election code of some some manner. But then you also have federal law, right? There's multiple federal laws that you have to abide by. And and you would think that Arizona law may pay harmony to it, but in many cases that don't. In many states, again, uh, there might be some disharmony between the federal laws. But then in Arizona, we have an election procedurals manual that, by law, is also law. Mm-hmm. And that is basically the Secretary of State and the Attorney General and the Governor are all getting together, and with the, the support and advice of the county recorders and the election officials, they come up with this manual, which is huge, yep. to basically uh, define the laws. And in addition to that manual, you have guidelines and policy statements. So you're absolutely right that it can get quite uh, convoluted um, and and kind of difficult when you're trying to parse words. 
that's also, you know, why we have the judicial system yeah. that has to kind of figure it out. Yeah. Well, could you give us, uh, to the degree that, that, that you feel comfortable, could you give us a quick overview? I want to ask you about a specific thing, the Cochise thing, in a moment. But could you give us a quick overview of just what's transpired or what's uh, what, what the deal is with uh, two filings that I think most people have on top of mind, which is, one— the filing that Abe Hamaday uh, had dismissed and the one that Carrie Lake filed, I think, about a week ago. Could you just give us a brief overview or status report on those? Yeah, and there is also a third who's okay. written, um, who is a, a pro se um, attorney um, um, who uh, has also filed a third lawsuit in Maricopa County. Okay, I know of what um, you speak, but okay, yeah. Yeah, and, and it basically goes with the the, uh, the Abe one, so mm-hmm. it, they they kind of go. Ahead I, I, that's hand. what I thought. I'm glad you said that because that's what I thought. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Okay. No, no problem. I read so it. The, I read the, it the right it, way. Okay. Yeah, the the Carrie Lake one is more of a public records access to information, and almost you know a shot across the bow. Don't don't destroy anything because mm-hmm. we we want a judge to be able to look at that, and that is still pending, and right. that will go through the process. And there was some demands um, that that there were reporting requirements. I know that the attorney general made similar uh, requests yep. um, through their authorities. And I know for sure that the, um, the county has responded to the attorney general. don't know if the attorney general feels that it's adequate. But um, then also, uh, I believe, um, just be based off of uh, information, is that Carrie Lake has received some information too. Don't know if she's satisfied, but we'll see that. That will play itself out. The separate are the, the other two lawsuits. And the other two lawsuits dealt with, hey, listen, we, we appreciate that the canvas is occurring. But and we appreciate that there's a contest usually after a canvas. But due to modern modern election systems and with literally millions of people voting, you know, it's kind of archaic. And so we, we, we all know what the issues are. So let's start the process now rather than have a fire drill in a few days. It, it preserves what we this call This is kind of what Abe's, uh, Abe's attorneys were saying, Abe Hamaday's exactly, attorneys Exactly, exactly. Right, Preserve right. judicial economy, right. et cetera. But, you know, the other side uh, uh, made a determination both from um, uh, Chris May's campaign as well as the Secretary of State's office and as also the county, which is hey, listen, you know, this isn't a constant, although the right to vote is fundamental, no one disagrees with that, how elections are administered is purely statutory, and the legislature said, this is how the process is going to work, and the judge threw up his hands and said, I, hey, the statute says what it says. we got to wait till next week. Okay. Um, and, and he was clear on that. So we, we, we one, all one might the, say the filing wasn't ripe. It wasn't ripe, okay. exactly. Okay. It, it was premature. Okay. Okay. Um, so ripe, ripe is such a legal term. Premature <laughs> You want to be the radio yeah. host and I'll be the lawyer? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll trade with you for a day. For a, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, for an hour, maybe. <laughs> So, so that's the status of that. We'll see it again um, next week, but that leads us into the Cochise case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, what's going on with Cochise? Right. To- Cochise is a little bit different. Um, so Cochise, they, they missed their canvassing deadline on Monday. They were immediately sued by a retirement association as well as uh, the Secretary of State. Um, both uh, the Secretary of State is now the governor-elect, uh, Hobbs. And um, obviously, a Democrat. The the, uh, the retirement association has also ties to the, the more Democratic uh, faction. So the irony is, is that both of those parties are now suing Cochise County to uh, force them to do the canvas that was supposed to happen on Monday by law. And the irony is, is that they're saying you you need to count those Republican votes. Now, what 
is is also kind of in in the uh, um, the undertone is is that Arizona does have a strict Arizona statute which says that the election has to be canvassed and certified within 30 days, and that would be obviously on, no, uh, on November tw- uh, I'm sorry December 8th. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to do the canvass on Monday for the statewide, and we'll determine tomorrow through a Cochise hearing um, whether or not what what a Pima County judge says because the count the Cochise County judge a lot of people don't know this he recused himself there's only one and so a Pima County judge was was um was uh, appointed for this sole purpose right so it does get convoluted there is a hearing tomorrow at one o'clock on that interesting um based off of of reports is that the supervisors because the county attorney has recused himself um, they have not been able to find an attorney who's going to represent them at that hearing. So, oh, that's interesting is, too. Yeah, it I is saw, yeah. Be interesting. yeah, yeah. So, Let me ask you this: There's this thing I may have it wrong, but there's this other irony here. I think, if I have it right, that if Cochise County supervisors don't certify, this could upset, in an ironic sense, Republican victories. Do I have that right? That that's absolutely right. So. Two Democrat organizations, one Secretary of State, who's a Democrat, and, and then also the, the association, arguing that Republican votes should count. I've, I've, in my entire time in, in, in practice, <laughs> I've never had this experience, right? Um, but, but it also goes to Election Day operations, which we've all been involved sure. in, which, you know, when I, when I see somebody coming through and they're not being treated, I have no idea if they're a Republican or a Democrat. I'm just like, hey, you didn't treat this person correctly. You need to make sure that they're able to vote. So it's kind of a nice process, I guess. But the reality is, is that that if if it's not what the word is, is that Secretary of State Hobbs has said, "Hey, I'm still going to hold the canvas within the 30 days," and if that happens, we're not going to include Cochise, and the numbers are going to be the numbers. And based off of the numbers we know from Cochise County, that would impact um, a multiple Republican candidates, and so that's that's quite concerning, including from, the AG's from an election race, right? including, the including, AG. yeah. including the AG's race, including a congressional yeah. race, yeah. including a superintendent of education, uh-huh. as okay. well as some, some other more down. It may upset apple carts we don't want upset. I should speak for myself that I don't want upset. You know, I, yeah, you know. no, no, abs- absolutely. It's, it's it, the way I, I told somebody today, and, and they kind of looked at me, it's kind of like when you, you know, you see these riots go on in, in certain cities after a political action, and, and you're like, why are they burning down their own business. Yeah, it's that. Right. It's, the, it's a and, bit of that. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, so it, 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 it is principled. Now, the, the, the thought process out there, Cochise does have some rights. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not, you know, not the canvas, but if, if they think that another county has done them wrong somehow, there's obviously processes to follow on that. And, and they, that, that would then be outside of the election um, kind of context, although obviously related. And, and they can take some other action. So it's not the end of the process yeah. by any means um, that, that Cochise can't exercise its rights because they believe another county has wronged them. Yeah, I got you. All right, Brett, always uh, shining light on, on the convoluted. Thank you, sir. Oh. I appreciate it very much. Again, Brett Johnson from the Snell & Wilmer Law Firm, SWLaw.com. Bless you, sir. Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson show. Do you guys remember um all the all the claims about what a liar Donald Trump was and I think the Washington Post had some 
ridiculous list or number of counting accounting tote board of the number of lies he was telling. I, they got up to, I don't know, something like 25,000 lies Donald Trump has told. And some of them were just, you know, absurd. I have to tell you, I think Joe Biden has beat it in two years. I think what Joe Biden has been saying about things almost every day has beaten what in two years what Donald Trump did in four. And I think Karin Jean-Pierre, the same thing, the same exact thing. Today, from the podium, she dismissed a question from Peter Ducey. Kevin McCarthy, incoming Speaker of the House, he invited Joe Biden to go down to the border and see it with him. And Karin Jean-Pierre was asked about this by Peter Ducey. Of course, she smiles and laughs. It's a big joke to them. And then she said, President Biden has been to the border. And Peter Ducey interrupted and said, when? And she just smiled and kept reading her talking points about all that they're doing on the border. Joe Biden has never been to the border. Hasn't happened. Um, she said, we know the pre- he, Ducey, Ducey said the president's never been down to the border. And she said he's been there. He's been to the border since he took office. He's been to the border. It's just it's a it's an absolute lie. Meanwhile, in the same press conference, she said that the administration is going to keep an eye on Twitter lest it engage in misinformation. No one engages in more misinformation than Karin Jean-Pierre, never mind the extremely complicated and difficult misunderstanding of what the government's job is to do when it comes to opinion and news. I said in my monologue, quoting Robert Jackson, authority here is controlled by public opinion, not public opinion by authority. That's the way this country works. So as she's lying about important public policy, as she as someone who questioned the legitimacy of the 2016 election, denied it. She's saying we're going to keep an eye on Twitter. These people, I swear, these people. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.